You're listening to episode 85 of the ESL Teaching Podcast. A while back, I recorded an episode about how I structured my middle school class. And if you like to listen to that, it is episode 17 called A Peek Into My Middle School EL Classroom. And since I work at two schools, middle and high school, today I wanted to offer you a little glimpse into how I structure my high school classes. I have more students at the high school this year and more classes, so there's plenty of room for creativity. Lesson planning and vocabulary instruction is something that is always on top of every EL teacher's mind, and my goal for this episode is to share with you my teaching setup and how I work with students in grades 9 through 12. I will share about proficiency levels in my classes, the student needs, and will break down some lessons on how I incorporate teaching English through content, area, and subjects. I hope you find this useful and can apply some of the tips in your own teaching. Are you ready? Let's get started. Hello and welcome to the ESL Teaching Podcast. I'm your host, Yeva Grossless, otherwise known as Simply Yeva, and I am so thankful that you tuned in. I'm looking forward to sharing both my knowledge and experience on this podcast, as well as that of my fellow teachers. Hello, hello, everyone. Today, I wanted to share with you what my EL classes at the high school look like. I teach two blocks each day and naturally spend a lot of time prepping and finding ways to help my students. I have said this before and I will say it again, teaching multilingual learners is one of those fields that no matter how many tips and advice you can read and ask for, you may not find the exact match for you and will likely need to find your own rhythm and way. However, hearing how others are doing it is always inspiring to me and immediately kicks my creative juices into gear, so I hope that this episode will do the same for you. From the conversations with the members of the ESL Teaching Roadmap and other teachers that I have coached, it is clear that making the best use of our limited time together with the students is one of the biggest challenges. And that's what this episode is all about, to help you find the right fit for your teaching situation. So first of all, let's do some good old background building like we always do as EL teachers. For me, the situation can be different every year and sometimes even every semester. One year, I may have two or three newcomers at the high school plus five or six of the more experienced multilingual learners I have worked with in the past. The next year, I might have 17 EL students total, all at varying proficiency levels and maybe one or no newcomers. But one thing is for certain, the number of students has been steadily growing and ensuring they all receive equitable instruction has been a vigorous dance with some ankle sprains and as well as with some trophy winnings. How do you like my metaphor here? Since I work in a low incidence district, which means that the number of students is about 1% of total student population, it is unfortunately impossible to serve as just the newcomers or just level threes, for example. 
Although last year I was able to add a block to my schedule and only scheduled newcomers in it because I realized that there will be no progress made on their behalf unless we have a separate block where we can work together on the simple basics of language. Now, while there are shortcomings in scheduling that are difficult to overcome for EL teachers and uh, in all schools, middle school, elementary school, at the high school, I have one advantage. I have a full block that is assigned to me. And in my case, scheduling presents a different challenge. How do I ensure that the students are taking their content area classes at such a time that they would also be able to have my class as well? So it's kind of like trying to figure everything out and navigate with a counseling department. Last year, I had a challenging year because even though I had requested to uh, group the students a certain way, and even though I taught the same number of classes, somehow the proficiency levels were so varied in them that it was extremely difficult to reach all students. So I learned my lesson, and when it was time to schedule uh, my kiddos for this year, I was adamant, and I mean adamant, sending emails and uh, sharing the names of students based on their proficiency levels uh, about how I can work with counseling department to schedule them in a way that the proficiency levels matched somehow so that we can work on similar things so that I can help them with what they need. And it has paid off. It is paid off and it's October. And I honestly have had uh, classes that I can work with and it feels so much better. We feel like we're going somewhere. This was a huge win for me because honestly, after last year, I questioned my will and willingness to continue. And I believe that is a challenge that a lot of EL teachers face. So uh, my advice to you, if you are having a hard time and if you have sit down and think about what is it you can do to make your life easier and to advocate for your students so you can work and feel the progress, feel that you're making a difference and feel that your students are making progress. All right, now that we got the background all squared away, here is the setup. So as you already know, I teach in a WIDA state. So the levels that I'm sharing here are the WIDA language proficiency levels. This year, uh, three of my classes are with students below developing, which is level three, and one is made up of students who are uh, around five, around four and higher. So I expect a majority of those students will exit the program this year, and we're working towards that. The classes are 77 minutes long, so there's plenty of time to get things done. And uh, my class is the ELL skills and support class. So during that time, I, I teach language through content. I help students understand concepts in their regular education classes, explain homework assignments, pre-teach, reteach, introduce new vocabulary. Uh, we build necessary background. Uh, we teach also the skills that may have they may, may have missed or have never learned, such as writing a paragraph, for example. In English, it follows quite a different format than in other languages. Uh, we might be explaining what an essay is and what's the difference between an essay and a paragraph. What is a claim, thesis statement, and all that. So, um, of course, you know, there's other subjects as well. I'm just giving examples from the humanities. Now, here is the lesson. And... Um, 
Even though I have been able to adjust the proficiency levels, I still have to tweak the content and delivery in order to reach all students. What I have identified is that all students need to build their academic vocabulary and to be able to use it in varied situations and in varied lessons classes. So now the question is, where do you take the vocabulary from? It seems like there's so many words and so many opportunities and, uh, so many sources that it can be like really decision paralysis, like where do I begin? So here are three ways I have been able to work this out and, uh, you know, trying them out this year. And that has been quite successful. So for one of my classes, we are doing a book study. And that is we read a book and the students choose the vocabulary from the book. The lists, their lists might not be identical. And, uh, you know, in my case, it's manageable because there are only two students in the class. But at the same time, both students are able to engage in teaching uh, the other student if they're familiar with a particular word or concept, as well as they both learn something new in the process. And in addition, we use that same vocabulary when we respond to questions about reading, whether it's an oral discussion um, or it's a journal entry or some sort of writing. The second way is to pick vocabulary directly from the content area text. So, and by text, I mean it could be a textbook, it could be a, a book, or it could be just a simple uh, presentation shared by the teacher. You know, uh, recently the teachers shared uh, about like uh, philosophy in ancient Greece. And I mean, I'm, I'm usually giving examples <laughs> of what's top of mind for me currently at the time of recording. Uh, but basically teachers share their presentations and, um, you know, we look at them and pick the vocabulary. I honestly prefer the latter because I know for sure that they will encounter those words in their future classes as well. So together we choose 10 words uh, and that is their lesson for the week. So um, I do a mini lesson of explaining the vocabulary, you know, whatever we need to do, the definitions, the, the images, the translations if necessary. Students then make flashcards. I post the vocabulary in Google Classroom for them to refer to. And every day we, we practice it, you know, uh, throughout the week, whether we do a journal entry, whether we do uh, games, uh, so that they have ample exposure to those words. So this has worked phenomenally well, and I keep wishing all teachers did this simply because when you pre-teach vocabulary from the lesson you're about to give, the lesson is so much more effective. You can literally see students grasping the concepts, and that is so rewarding. You see that the student's like, oh, yes, you see those light bulbs go off. So I really uh, find this, I'm very passionate about this, and I hope that uh, over time we'll be able to expand this message to all the teachers. Now, the third way I approach vocabulary is this. My higher proficiency level students are all in one class, and I ask myself, how can I help them move forward? What is their main concern right now? And the answer is simple. Everyone wants to pass the SAT or any other big test that they have to take. So I simply looked around and found a packet of SAT vocabulary and Teachers Pay Teachers. And we have been working on it the same way as with the others. You know, we go over the definitions, you know, we work with images, we do uh, vocabulary journals and so on. 
Now, what does my actual lesson at the high school look like? So here is a typical day for all classes. When the students come in, they check the board where they see the daily slide. Uh, there, I usually have posted our plan for the day, and it always starts with a journal or vocabulary review uh, that gives us time to get into the groove, for me to take attendance, and so on. I like to get the students thinking flowing, uh, and we do talk about how we can manage our time better, how we can respond to our environment in a more productive way, how we can build our resilience. These prompts are not only great for social emotional awareness, but also for language building. Words like procrastination and resilience might be used frequently when our attention is turned towards assignment completion. And a lot of students get overwhelmed. So we kind of like uh, sit down, break it down and say, hey, how can we be more resilient? How can we persevere? That has been uh, helpful for all of us. And uh, sometimes I ask them a silly or fun question just to get into the groove. But every day the routine is the same. Come in, look at the slide and begin uh, journaling. When we do vocabulary, uh, journaling takes on a different shape. Uh, I ask the students to choose three words from their vocabulary list and write their own sentences with them. So sometimes, especially for lower proficiency level students, the idea of creating your own sentence can be daunting, but we tweak it to simple phrases and, uh, you know, we label the, the images if necessary. And in general, everyone does what they can as long as they use the new words. My students really enjoy actually doing the images. Uh, I post the entire list of vocabulary. I also post an image and I ask them to see which of the vocabulary words could be applied to this image. Now, when we go over the sentences as a class, that is an opportunity for all of us to deepen our knowledge and ask questions that have come up along the way. After this, we focus on their content area homework or classwork. So there are students who are able to work more independently. And honestly, there are subjects like Algebra 2, for example, that I might not be able to explain comfortably. Uh, but what I can do is I can explain the word problems, we can break them down and so on. So in our class, we mostly focus on literature, history, and science, as these subjects tend to go fast in, in the regular class, and they're very, very language intense. And this is where we can put all of our mini lessons on time management and vocabulary right into practice. So whenever I have newcomers in the same classroom with higher proficiency students, I have to tweak the time I spend on certain things. However, even the newcomers are able to respond to social-emotional questions and learn new words. Their vocabulary would look slightly different, of course. And, uh, of course, it's not ideal. Uh, but if you have a newcomer in your classroom, the best thing you can do is build up the basics of their English language, right? So we all end a class with a simple question, what is one thing you learned today? Uh, sometimes they say they learned exactly what I expect them to say, and other times... The answers can be both funny and eye-opening because they either remember something that is not entirely relevant or something that I honestly didn't foresee they would remember. In either case, it is a great feedback for me and uh, gives me information to continue planning for the next day. So this is how a simple structure of my EL block at the high school. 
as always, I try to take something that is much less linear and much more messy in real life and, you know, record a podcast about it. So I hope that you found this useful and can actually picture the lessons and uh, take what you need from it and apply to yourself. And I want to hear from you, as always, how do you structure your EL lessons, especially if you have a longer chunk of time? Send me a message on Instagram and let's chat. Thank you for listening and until next time. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. If you loved what you heard today, be sure to do two things. First, make sure to subscribe to the ESL Teaching Podcast so you don't miss an episode. And second, leave a positive review wherever you listen, on iTunes, Spotify, or any other platform. Positive reviews will improve the chances of this podcast to be discovered in the feed and help our fellow ESL ELL teachers. And of course, there's a third thing. If you aren't following me on social media yet, Come join me on Instagram at SimplyYevaESL, Facebook SimplyYeva, or connect with me on my website, SimplyYeva.com. Thanks again, and until next time.